Are there a lot of people like in that that you've collaborated with that you keep in regular touch with, like be it filmmakers? Not too much. I mean, what what happens to all of us is that you're a pack when you're coming up, right? And you're a pack because you're all after the same thing. So Scorsese and De Niro and De Palma and Phil Kaufman and George Lucas and Walter Hill, you're all after the same thing and you're all in there with elbows and teeth trying to figure it out. And you're spotting, you're tracking each other and you say, he's a keeper, he's not a keeper. He's going to make it. I should stay friends with him, you know, because you're all, that's why you go to film school, to make these connections. And then all of a sudden you start making it one by one. And then you each, you have your own groups. And the need for that kind of glue is not career-driven anymore. So Scorsese, who I, you know, keep in touch with, but um, the, uh, you know, the, the point at which I needed Marty it's long past although on card counter I did say to him because we were making a deal with uh, Focus and they said they said they wanted one one more element and I said to my agent well what if Marty produces it he said well you know let me fly that past them and they said, yeah, that would, that would work. So I said, Marty, I said, I'd like you to produce this movie. Uh, to put our names on the card again after all these years. It'd be kind of cool. Give us, give me a little buzz. He said, sure. And then, uh, so we did that. And then several weeks later, Rick Yorn or Chris Donnelly, his agents, called up and tried to work out the deal. I said, what deal? I asked Buddy for a favor. He said, yes, that's the deal. (laughs) (laughs) No, but that that is important. We talk about it all the time. That's like when you're all, when you're friends with other artists, you have to all be in it. You have to do things for each other. You have to do it. Did they push back on that? No, no, no. (laughs) Good, yeah. Marty probably didn't even know they were making the call. Right, yeah. (laughs) That's how it always is. Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, it's good to know that that doesn't change. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have one last question. All righty. Unless you got more. Well, I, have, I guess I only have one left. Is what I mean to say. Yeah, I just. Well, I guess I just wanted to know. Um, do you feel good about the future of movies? Do you feel good about culture? Do you feel good about where we're heading? Well, it's a big one. I know. Yeah, I asked it to me the other day, and I'll give the same answer again, which uh, I said, you know, it's something I said to Scorsese a while back. He was talking about preserving films, and I said, Marty, you know, what's this big deal about film preservation? Why should we preserve films if we can't preserve the people who are going to watch them? Mm Mm-hmm. And I guess that's kind of a big question. Right. Uh, so it's very hard to be optimistic in the long range about uh, the species. Right. Uh, and 
I'm certainly out of the game. You'll probably be out of it. Your, your kids are fucked. <laughs> uh, we're not. We're not even gonna have kids. <laughs> yeah, but my, my 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 children don't have kids. So for the same sort of, yeah, that's how the idea of first reform started coming in. You know, because you know, should you have kids? Um, and uh, the uh, uh, but there, you know. As long as there are human beings, there'll be audiovisual entertainment. It's just, yeah. it, the concept of the movies may be a, a century-long thing. Right. Uh, the idea of going into a darkened room with a projected image with a bunch of people. Uh, that all came about for a purely economic reason. The best way to monetize cinema... 1915 was to put it in a, in a room and get 100 people, 200, 1,000 people, yeah. all the pay. So much more uh, financially sensible than a Nickelodeon where you only put in a nickel a, nickel a time per view. Right. Now you can charge 1,000 yeah, yeah. people a nickel. Yeah. So that's why we had, in the first place, it made economic sense. Now it doesn't make such yeah. economic sense, yeah. and people are saying, "Oh, it's such a crime." No, you know, to the extent that it makes financially, and there are still several types of movies that make sense financially, theatrically, but only a handful, you know, categories, um, and the rest of it will mutate, and now. Audiovisual entertainment has gotten to be such a big category that movies are only a small subset. You know, they're even probably smaller than video games yeah. in terms of economics. Yeah. You know, True. or time hours spent, uh, and then you know, then there's all types of TV. You know, you know the hours spent. You know, watching reality TV and, and QVC and whatever yeah. far outstrips watching uh, narrative entertainment. Yeah. So you know, m m movies are a small niche, and uh, they will survive in that way. Uh, but they will also. One of the comments uh, I said before, that I thought you think there's four things left that movies, that theatrical can do. One is spectacle, and that will only increase as spectacle increases into the virtual realm. Yeah. Um, date movies, mm -hmm. where you, you know, fellow wants to get an arm over, so you're going to watch a horror film mm -hmm. or a, a raunchy comedy. Uh, Family movies, parents love to see their kids laugh with other kids. So there's always going to be a family market. You know, people. Some people are surprised why these family films are not dented. Well, because you you can't replace that. You go with your two kids, and there's a whole theater full of kids, and they're all laughing. Well, you know, you need, that's an endorphin rush. And then the other one is what I call club cinema, which is uh, 
like-minded cinema files, whether it be the Roxy, the Metrograph, mm -hmm. the Burns, the yeah. Budin, you know, uh, where essentially you're going because you're part of the club. Yeah. And, you, you know, so the Metrograph has more square space devoted to eating and drinking than it does to, yeah. you know, movie attendance. Yes, it does. <laughs> <laughs> well, but so probably the largest demographic of our listeners are young aspiring filmmakers so i guess i also this kind of works in the same conversation i think how did you stick with it when you were young and starting what what inspired you to stick with it what were your vices what do you what do you want well to i mean i i was born into the bubble i was born into the golden bubble of of teenage culture you know Teenagers are a fairly recent thing, monetizing of teenagers. Yeah, right. um, and after the war, we were so rich and we had so much money, and teenagers had actually had money. And you could sell them clothes, you could sell them music, you could sell them movies. And out of this, it was all this opportunity uh, for kind of a commercial cinema, intelligent commercial cinema, and and that was it was a really a moment where everything was possible. It was a sweet spot, um, and we all kind of knew it. I mean, you know, I remember Francis saying, you know, just. Say you're doing a thing, and if you say it enough and believe it enough, somebody will pay for it. And we kind of believe that. I don't know how true that is anymore. <laughs> uh, and uh, so I, I always, I remember when I first made any money, and Scorsese had a business manager, and he said you need a business manager. So I had lunch with this business manager. And then a couple months later, he took me to lunch again, and he said, he started talking about my retirement. Now, I'm 29 years old. I said, I'm, I said what do you mean? I said, I'm always going to make money. Yeah. There's always going to be money for someone like me. He said, just in case there isn't. <laughs> and thank God. <laughs> he started salting in a way, you know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a big day for us over here at the Iron Pack. We sat down with none other than Paul Schrader, one of our all-time heroes. Uh, and we had the pleasure of going to his house, seeing his lab, and, you know, getting into it of course we talk about his new movie master gardener we talk about his whole career we talk about preserving movies for no one future of movies music everything in between i mean i can't even get into it there's so much in this uh i know you want to hear it i know you want to see it there's no way you don't so i'll tell you exactly how to do that You'll go to patreon.com slash the ion pack. That's www.patreon.com slash the ion pack. And it's all there waiting for you. The video, the pod, Paul Schrader. You already know. Patreon. <laughs> <laughs>